Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned, our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hey loves, okay, welcome back to the Sensual Revolution Podcast. This is a solo episode with your girl, Marley, and I'm so excited because we're diving into a topic today that is really freaking culturally relevant in these times, and this is a topic that has affected so many people, and it's probably affected you in ways that you might not even realize. So what we're looking at today is censorship. Censorship on social media especially, and exploring how does censorship actually manifest as shame in our bodies? Oof, I don't know if you've spent time thinking about this topic. If you're a sex educator, queer creator, person living in a marginalized body, this is probably something that you've thought a lot about because you've been impacted by it. So many of us, our content is being hidden on social media, it's being banned, accounts are being deleted left, right, and center. My dear friend Rosie Reese, an amazing sex educator with a queer-owned business in Australia, she had like 89k people following her business account, Yoni Pleasure Palace, which was really empowering women to claim their own relationship to pleasure in a really, really unapologetic way, and her account just got deleted with no warning at all. And what we need to realize is that in these virtual times, especially with the pandemic, deleting someone's Instagram account is almost the same as like evicting them from their office building with no warning at all. It can really destroy a business. And even beyond that, it sends a message to all of us. And that's what we're really going to look at today. So let me just start at the beginning, really break this down and just share the definition of censorship. So, according to Google, censorship is the suppression or prohibition of any parts of books, films, news, and so on that are considered obscene, politically unacceptable, or a threat to security. So, when we look at Instagram, for example, a really common um, breakdown of this or an argument against censorship is... Why are female nipples censored, but the male nipple can do its thing all over the internet? How is that a reflection of equality? 
and why are certain bodies, especially bigger fat bodies that don't reflect the Western beauty standards, why are those accounts often deleted and hidden? And yet white men and their cisgender bodies or whatever, or even women who are fitting into the Western beauty standards, skinny, blonde, all these things, they can flaunt their stuff and really show their skin on social media, but someone in a marginalized body is way more likely to get deleted or banned. So this is a really big expression and result of the inequity in our world. And the really important thing to know is that all of us are watching. You know, this sends a message. It tells us that certain bodies are accepted and worthy of visibility and others are not. And certain identities are deemed worthy of visibility and others are not. Another example of that is the word lesbian is banned on TikTok. Really think about that for a friggin' moment. The word lesbian is banned on TikTok as if it's a slur or a curse word or something bad. And that's exactly the message that gets sent. That this is something bad. And I know for me, as someone who just recently came out as lesbian this past January, things like that affect all of us way more than we realize. This sends a message that there's something wrong with this identity, that it's not a beautiful way of loving, but it's a slur word that should be hidden. It sends a message that lesbian folks are other, are different from everyone. And how does that contribute to the violence that might be... And how does that contribute to the violence that might be done towards the LGBTQ community? So these are important friggin' topics. And what this really comes back to is the importance of representation. And what this really comes back to is the importance of representation. All of us on a base human level, we have a want and a need to see ourselves, versions of ourselves, aspects of ourselves, out in the world and thriving. Right? We know this. There are so many studies around the importance and power of representation. Right? When a black transgender youth sees Laverne Cox, an incredible black transgender woman and activist in the media, she realizes, okay, that's possible for me too. I deserve to be celebrated and seen in that way too. And there's actually a beautiful quote from Laverne Cox where she says, Something along the lines of beyond being a role model, I want to be a possibility model. I want to show people what's possible for them, especially for folks who have been oppressed, who have been hidden. So representation is such an important thing. And there are studies that show that from a very young age, on average, we're exposed to about 5,000 advertisements per day. And in those 5,000 advertisements, we start to take in messaging of what's normal, what do most bodies look like? I'm doing air quotes, like what do normal bodies look like? What do normal people look like? What has society agreed is beautiful? And we take notes from those advertisements, from those images, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, 
we're receiving a message that, oh, okay, this is the way I'm supposed to be. So anyone, which is really the majority of us, who doesn't fit into that image that's shown again and again and again, especially around beauty, the white, six-foot-tall, supermodel, long-led, blonde hair, skinny, cisgender, able-bodied woman, like, that's the image that we see again and again and again and again coupled with the word beautiful. So when we see 5,000 images like that coupled with the word beautiful and not for a second do we see an image of ourselves, representation of ourselves, and we say, oh, that looks like my body. On some level, we take in the message that our bodies aren't beautiful, that our bodies aren't worthy of being celebrated, seen, and loved. So we start to take that in. We start to internalize that shame on a cellular level, on a somatic body-based level. And maybe we start to hide ourselves away. Maybe we start to change ourselves. Maybe we develop a story that says, I'm not good enough as I am. And then we grow up with those narratives and we think that that came from ourselves. We're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just a really insecure person. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just a really insecure person. And so often we don't draw that line back to the source of where that insecurity comes from. We don't acknowledge that, oh, actually, I've been receiving messages that my, my body shouldn't exist or shouldn't be seen and celebrated. I've been receiving that message from a very, very young age on repeat. So this is why representation matters. Also, when we see diverse bodies being loved and celebrated in the media, all of us learn that those bodies are worthy of respect. So often when violence happens towards marginalized communities and bodies, there's a direct link between that and lack of representation. People find it all too easy to dehumanize someone that they haven't been able to humanize through exposure. So this is really about claiming the humanity in all of us. And it's about forgiving ourselves. Forgiving ourselves and holding compassion for our insecurities by realizing, actually, this didn't come from me. The shame around being lesbian, if that applies to you. The shame around being in a bigger body. All of these things, like, they didn't come from us. We weren't born as little babies in the world and we said, "Mm, I don't like this about me. That's a learnt way of thinking. And if it's a learnt way of thinking, it also means it can be unlearned. And that unlearning starts with that self-compassion, that understanding, letting ourselves off the hook by saying, this didn't come from me. I've just internalized all of this messaging, all of this censorship, all of this lacking representation. Another thing that happens through censorship is that we get cut off from our right to education, especially sex education. And I don't know about you. I mean, I probably do. I actually led a call for the woman in my program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy, the other week, and I said, 
raise your hand if you feel like you got like you received an adequate sexual education when you were young and not one woman not one raised their hand and I have never actually heard a narrative of someone saying oh you know I was raised with an amazing sex positive safety focused pleasure positive sex education reflective of diverse bodies and sexual orientations and desires none of us get that We're really given a form of sex education that acts as if sexuality is one size fits all. It's kind of this idea that like, oh, everybody should like this. We should touch here, feel this, like this, don't like this. And that's how everyone should be. It really is just like the one size fits all clothing approach. Instead of acknowledging that sexuality and pleasure patterns and desires are as diverse as our fingerprints. There's 7 billion something, whatever, people on this planet. There's that many versions of sexuality, pleasure, desire as well. So it's really important that we acknowledge that and bring that into our education. So what we've started to see in the realm of social media is that people are being given a megaphone. People whose voices we otherwise would have never heard from. Black women, transgender women, Um, women with disabilities, women with mental health struggles, so many different types of people are being given a megaphone and they're saying to the world, actually, this is how I experience pleasure. This is what's been really healing and liberating for me. This is what has helped me shed shame and create relationships that really nourish me and bring joy to my life. And I want to share this with you. I want to share the tools with you that helped me get to that point. I want to share really important information around protecting yourself from things you may not have learned about in sex education, like STIs, ending the stigma around STIs, all of these things. So there's been a really beautiful movement like that through social media, but what we're seeing through these censorship laws, and they're not even really laws, they're so blurry, Right, these censorship biases, because remember, it's just people who are reporting, taking down, creating algorithms. It's people with their own biases. So what we're seeing with these censorship biases is that that education is not making its way into the public, into the masses. It's being silenced, which means that we don't have access to the sex education we not only deserve, but we actually need. I really think, like, what would, what would my life be like if I was given that sex education? If someone, when I was 12 years old, showed me a whole Instagram feed, even, of, of lesbian love, of women loving women, and being in beautiful relationships and celebrating queerness. If I had seen that as a young girl, I really believe I would have realized that I'm a queer woman way, way, way younger, way earlier in my life. I just didn't know that was an option because of the lack of representation. Similarly, how would I have been able to navigate sexual trauma completely differently if I had those tools of consent, of boundaries, of shedding shame around desire, of learning how to communicate with a partner during intimacy. 
if I had those tools through adequate sex education at a young age, if I knew that genitals are supposed to look different at a young age, how would that change my relationship to my sexuality? So what's happened with censorship is that people have started to step up and share their wisdom around this. They've been like, no more silence. We need these tools. We need these tools not just to survive, but to thrive. And we deserve that. We deserve to thrive and feel pleasure in these lives and in these bodies. So we saw such a gorgeous, gorgeous surge of that education and representation through social media. And now, with this BS censorship crap, that's being taken away. Sex educators are being silenced. Survivors of sexual trauma aren't able to share our stories with the world because rape culture, words like that, are banned LGBTQ plus community, we're not able to celebrate who we are and the liberation that we've claimed and the pride we've stepped into because of censorship around words like lesbian. It is so ridiculous. And I think back to beginning of 2021, I was so honored to be invited onto an elite panel. This was a panel made up of 25 survivors across the country And we came together to inform, at a federal level, the National Action Plan to End Gender-Based Violence. And I remember wanting to bring up censorship and feeling like it was too fluffy of a topic. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that white chick who's like, who's like, we need to think about Instagram, you guys. You know, like, I didn't want to be that. But I thought into it way deeper. And I realized, wow, like, these messages shape generations, right? If generations grow up with the idea that the word lesbian is bad or a slur, how does that shape the way that they treat queer women, queer girls in their lives and communities? How does that play into violence and how does it play into homophobia and how does it play into internalized shame? These are the things that we have to think about. And then we have to ask ourselves so that we don't fall into the kind of victim thing where we're like, everything sucks, the world sucks. It's like, okay, so what can we do? What can we actually do? And what I really feel is, first of all, first of all, acknowledge the grief. Honor the grief. Let yourself feel annoyed as fuck. Let yourself feel mad that this is happening because it shouldn't be happening. And it's unfair, and it's a reflection of that inequity. So let yourself be mad. That, I feel, is the first thing to do. You know, meet up with your friends, punch a fucking pillow, and scream off of a mountain to the gods, or whatever you believe in. And then ask yourself, like, what actionable steps can be taken here, and what I really really, really encourage you to do is keep sharing your voice. Keep sharing your voice and not only are the words you're saying important, but the identity that you're embodying is even more important because you can be that possibility model, as Laverne Cox says, for someone else in your own unique way, right? If you're, like, for example, I'm a queer Jewish woman and so maybe there's a queer 
Jewish girl who's rejected all of those identities and she hears this and she's like, oh, wow, like this, this person's so empowered. If she can use her voice, then I can use my voice. And we can all do that for each other in different ways. In the previous podcast, we heard from Kelsey, who's advocating for mental health and chronic pain because those are things she struggled with. And when she speaks up and people realize, oh, wow, even though she's been through that, she's still finding pleasure in her life she's still an empowered creative she's helping people she's using her story to help people when we see things like that we get a message that is so different from the ones I was saying earlier the ones where we don't have that representation and therefore we don't deem ourselves adequate or valid When we do get to see ourselves in the world thriving, that means everything to us and that means everything to our dreams. So please keep using your voice. Keep telling your story. Even if you get on Instagram and only two people watch your live where you're celebrating yourself, where you're saying where you're speaking from the heart and saying what you stand for and you're unapologetically embodying all those gorgeous aspects of yourself, if just two people are watching, realize those are two whole human beings. Two whole human beings with a story, a lineage with feelings, with their own insecurities, with their own dreams. And you showing up and sharing in that way by just being yourself even, you can really have an incredibly inspiring impact in their lives, in two lives. And that's a big deal. I know that it can be so frustrating when we get into the mindset of the numbers game with social media or or our account gets deleted after we've dedicated so much of our time and resources to building that. And again, it shouldn't be that way. Alongside this inner work I'm talking about and this visibility I'm talking about, we also need to be thinking on the macro level, signing petitions, writing letters to whoever the heck is running this algorithm, writing books about it, creating art about it that can reach the public and help to shift hearts and minds because at the end of the day, this really isn't about an Instagram algorithm, or a TikTok algorithm. It's about what's considered valid and beautiful in our world versus what are we being asked to hide and shame. And then think about that in your own body. What are aspects of yourself that you've been taught to see beauty and worthiness in, in yourself, And what are aspects of yourself that you think should be kept hidden and doused in shame? And how can we move? And how can we and how can we remove that internalized censorship effect and start to realize that all aspects of ourselves are worthy of being seen, beautiful, celebrated? So please don't try to impress the algorithm 
in your life. Keep focusing on the ways that you can impact humans, whether it's 7 billion humans or two people watching your live. Like your voice and your representation matters and no one can lead or make the impact that you can because nobody's embodying the unique intersection of identities and experiences and feelings that you do right? You are that gorgeously unique and that's why your voice is needed in this world. Your voice is needed, which is why censorship is such BS and it's why I, I really, really, really encourage you to keep sharing on whatever platform and whatever stage and whatever circle. Keep sharing because your voice matters and know that that truth is so much more powerful than any Instagram censorship guideline that exists. No, no, no that. So I'm sending you all so much love. I definitely encourage you on this topic to check out the link in the show notes to my really juicy mini course called Sensual Voice Reclamation. This is a really powerful way to learn to claim fully confident, authentic voice, to learn how to communicate your boundaries and desires without shame or apology. It's a really beautiful combination of a 60-minute video training, 20-minute guided meditation, and a embodiment practice on vocal toning as well. So you can just go to the link in my show notes, or you can go to my Instagram, Marley Liss, and hit the link in my bio and you'll see that there. I'm sending you all so much love. If you have thoughts on censorship similar to what I have just shared, please share this podcast, leave a review, and send this to someone who could really use that encouragement, right? I'm thinking of my friend Rosie whose account just got deleted after so much work and I'm like, let's send her love, let's do what we can to get that account back. And let's keep uplifting each other and doing what we can to affirm for each other that yes, our voices are needed in this world. No matter who we are, no matter where we are, no matter what the algorithm thinks about what we're sharing. The fact is our voices matter and the message that we bring to this world matters the most. Sending you all so much love. I can't wait to share next week's amazing guest episode with you. We have an amazing, amazing, amazing woman coming on to share about her epic leadership in this space of um, survivors and the importance of storytelling. She's doing incredible work in the world. So I can't wait to share it with you. Have a beautiful day and thank you for listening to The Sensual Revolution. Mm